welcome to Marsha's Plate. This is an interview episode where we talk to friends, family, other community members, and anybody else we want to talk to. <laughs> hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? Hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? How you been doing? Just checking in today on you. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is your girl, Diamond. Um, I've been trying to chase this nigga for so long to be on the show. <laughs> for so long, and he is finally here. I am so glad that um, he made the time for me, and I can just introduce him to y'all. This is so exciting for me. Um, I have the amazing... Actor, activist, ball legend, Marquise Vilson, and he is here to talk his shit with Marsha Plate. Thank you for spending time with me. Uh, I'm so excited. Hey, what's up? <laughs> thank you. Diamond Style, seriously, Marsha's Plate, the whole team. Um, thank you all for just having me in general. I appreciate you. I'm sorry it took us so long. To, right. to schedule you, this. Busy. you out here in these streets you the lord jesus you just as busy ain't you out here talking to t.s madison i see you you working working i try i try i try so first of all because we are similar in age and so i i thought when i when i was researching you i thought it was interesting how our lives not every single detail but really paralleled in our perspective of our transness um i was i know that your father passed early on in your life and and i and i was listening to a conversation that you had um about how that affected you know just your perception perception of your manhood all that kind of stuff and you know how you know as a navigating the world as a black man and i remember when i was young like probably around like 86 87 my uncle got killed by the police my um there was a guy named michael taylor who was um who was killed by the police and why he was handcuffed, all this kind of stuff. And it really uh, impacted how protective I was of black boys and black men. And, you know, me coming through my boyhood as a black boy being raised up and and how even as I walked into my womanhood, there what there is a level of protectiveness that I have of, you know, I, of course, I have brothers and stuff, but just based on my uh, my own experience, I just have a protectiveness, even despite the toxicity that happens throughout my life and through now and through what I see, there still is a tender spot where you know, I care about, you know, what's going on with y'all. And so what I want to ask you is, um, how are you feeling? What is your state of, um, in navigating the world as a black man and, 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 you know, dealing with what's going on in the world? How are you feeling? Um, today and in this moment, um, I would say that I feel very aware. I feel hyper aware. Um, for threats of violence, right? Both in thinking about police, um, 
but also as a person who's a trans experience who navigates the world very openly and is a public figure. I, I'm always concerned about what that looks like real time in any situation because violence can happen to us anywhere. Um, and also proximities to privilege do not remove us from violence. All right. So yeah, just feeling really aware. Um, and I would also say very intentional in the way that I choose to show up, who I share and hold space with, um, who I'm in community with, who I'm in conversation with, who I'm in partnership with. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I'm feeling mm. in this moment. And in those space, how are you finding joy? Like what is, what is currently bringing you like joy and making you feel safe, making you feel loved. And that's making you, you know, just feel like, okay, you know, I'm, it's the oasis away, oasis away from this bullshit. Like what's bringing you that kind of joy? This platform that you've created, this <laughs> is a safe, no, it's true, right? Like I'm in the company with someone who's a community member who shares very similar experiences. And I think that, at that core, being Black folks, right, like being POC first, having the layers of transness like this automatically creates something that allows me to feel safe. Um, I don't often just like, you know, have a general one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone and then agree to like do something like quote-unquote an interview or just be in conversation with someone. But because you're a community member, that's something that I trust. So like, sharing space and holding space in these ways with folks who are in community that brings me joy um and and being able to like let those guards down be a little bit more vulnerable like this conversation feels very very vulnerable to me just from the start the initial start of your question and the way that you posed it um but the fact that you took so much care and thought about that in relationship to me allows me to also um feel cared for and also want to offer you the same. So like this, this feels good. This being, being reciprocal with someone in this way, this is bringing me joy. This feels amazing. Thank you. And thank you for creating the space. Thank you. I, 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 I was talking to somebody um, recently and I, and I share with them, you know, despite, you know, the work that um, we do, despite, you know, because a lot of people like us to parade our, um, parade our trauma out, you know, like kind of like a song and dance. But really, as I've gotten in, probably like probably in my 30s, I've been really mid-30s. Um, the people that I have met, community members, and not necessarily just trans, but just people who are tender with me, I recently I went um, on a trip with um, some cisgender girls and um, a, another trans person. And we kind of just went out wine drinking and just chilling. And just, I, I, I sat back and kind of just kind of thought about my life in my past. I haven't had those kind of spaces with cisgender women and to, to be in a space in my life where um um 
where I can fellowship with them and not feel any type of way, like just feel loved and feel appreciated. And I, if there's little pockets of, you know, I have a group of trans people that I, that I feel that way with. I have a group of um, um, gay men that I feel that way, a group of lesbians. Like it's, it's just it's such, it's such a different space that I'm in right now in community that um that that shit is what sustains me like w- w- me doing this work and having those kind of breaks and oasis in in in, in be, be able to let my hair down and just be who i am and in, in in with community members i didn't have that in my youth it was very very isolating when i was younger um and so now that I'm older and still working and still doing this, having that really helps me get through conversation, the hard conversations, dealing with bigots, dealing with transphobes, dealing with racists, dealing with um, misogynists and sexists, dealing with all the stuff that we kind of come up against. It's those community, like you just said, like it's, it's those moments in community that I can be vulnerable and or I can just. I don't even have to talk about none of that shit. I can just be me and do, you know, hey, we can talk about whatever. I, I really, really appreciate those moments. Absolutely. In, I remember growing up, um, how powerful it was for me to see um, other trans people and people nowadays don't really understand the difference that we had growing up. Although, you know, uh, the thing that uh, where we showed up wasn't necessarily the best representation of us. You know, we had the Jerry Springers. We had. I was the, about to say, <laughs> just say it. Just we go had ahead. all of those things. We had the Jerry Springers, but. Regardless of that kind of negative, sensationalized, salacious kind of thing, we it was the only place we were able to see ourselves. It, it, oh, my God, we actually exist. And so I remember um, um, on Jerry Springer, there was a trans guy named Reno Wright. There was um, I remember seeing Buddha. Um, I think Buddha lives in Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Buddha lives in Georgia. I remember seeing Buddha. So I can't remember exactly where I seen Buddha at, but it wasn't, it wasn't on Jerry. It was somewhere. I seen him somewhere. Um, Reno, right? I seen, um, it's just all these representation that would come on. And even though I knew this was bullshit in regards to, oh, we're exposing and is this a man and this a woman? It still felt like I couldn't wait to stand in front of that TV so I can see somebody like me. So. Yeah. I know you had to go through that. Tell me about that time in your life when you were, you know, because you like me, we we started early in the 90s. So tell me about that time in your life when you were searching for, you know, representation and you were finding it. How did that work out? So in terms of the first time that I I saw somebody that was black and trans mask on TV in 1993, that would have been, you know, right prestige. Mm. Um, at that time of my life, I wasn't searching for it. I was 12. Um, or actually, no, I'm lying. That wasn't in 1993. Let me, let me come back. Lou Sullivan, I feel like I, I ended up seeing him at some point in 1993 on TV. And if I'm correct with you know, right prestige, it's 1997. Yeah, right. 1997 that he was actually on Jerry Springer. So I would have been 16, excuse me. 
um, which I know is far more accurate because I didn't have to borrow them until I was 14. And so I had already been in proximity. I'd seen this person around, but I didn't know who he was. I never had a conversation. Um, and also at that time of my life, you know, as a young person who's 14 years old, and this, this individual is an adult, they're a young adult, they're in their 20s. It was also boundaries too around like what it meant to be talking to somebody who's like a legend or like had status and that, that sort of thing in Baltimore that you just didn't do. So I never approached him. But when I saw this episode, I absolutely felt seen. And it is interesting to like have conversations with folk today about what it means to have representation that looks like talk show circuit only. And when you come from an era in time where that's the only ingestible sort of imagery that you see of yourself, there's a piece of you that holds on to that. I know for myself, I, I didn't connect to like the salaciousness and also, more specifically, the white violence, right? Because here's this Black trans person in the middle of a very white audience in a very white, white womb who's being completely attacked. When I think about Luke Sullivan in the early 90s and the way talk show circuit looked for him as a white trans person, it was very, very different, right? That's right. different. Um, they were way more tender with them. Way more. Right. I mean, it's the reason why we see and we can know about Christine Jorgensen, which I think is important information to have in terms of our trans legacies and all of those things in our history. But that's a really interesting thing to think about. You know, you're talking about the 40s, 50s. This person is visibly trans. Being referred to as Christine, all proper pronouns. I mean, she is like literally making a career in, a, in the circuit. In the circuit. And. Here it is, someone like Marsha P. Johnson, nearly 40, 50 years later, is found dead in a pier, right? Like, that's the difference between what it means to be either white, black, and trans. Like, those right. things are really different. And, or, or we have a Sharon Grayson, who was in that same kind of circuit, mm. who was a snake charmer and had her own performance. But we didn't get to hear about her until recently. Uh, mm. I knew about her because she, of her... Um, activism work in San Francisco and the country uh, all across the country but recently she and was I'm just on, learning and you're just, yeah, right? I'm just learning and so she just was on she was just sharing that that part of her life on CNN um, United Shades of America and she was sharing that she was literally on that same circuit with Christine as a snake charmer and performer but we didn't get to hear about her because it was too busy focused on the Christine Georgensons of the world right and so while I know all those things are true and it's really frustrating to think about like cis people having control of our narratives in that kind of way, what doesn't, um, what doesn't somehow like it just not exist is this trans person who's sitting in front of me. That person's transness still exists. They are still valid. They are still representation of themselves. Um, and that's important to see. That was very important for me to see. So Reno, Reno for me was probably one of the most um, impactful moments because, again, I did feel very safe. And also, you know, it does it did make a little bit of a difference that I kind of had some connection to the person. Like they weren't just some person who I saw on TV and then I was never going to see them again. It literally reinforced kind of um, my own transness and even more than that, my ability to act on it. My ability to say, you know what, I reserve and deserve the right to take up space and to live my life, regardless of what the fuck you're going to say. Because the reality is, is that people are going to have something to say anyway. Facts. What am I going to say? <laughs> what do I think about me? You're listening to Houston's own MP Trans 101.
beginning for you. So this is for your basic ass. basic for me in this life could be just the beginning for you. We told y'all last week about how Texas, while other states in the country are decriminalizing sex work, Texas, funky ass, is making it even harsher (laughs) by upgrading it to a felony. But that's not where they end. (laughs) You know, Texas is like, oh, you think we can't do more? Hold my motherfucking beer (laughs) and my cowboy hat. Anyway, they not only has upgraded sex work to a felony, they also are at war against women's reproductive rights and turning its citizens into an army. Not just Texas, but the whole United States citizen. (laughs) The state's new abortion law, which goes into effect today, just same exact day that the um, felony of the prostitution goes into effect, (laughs) bans all abortions, including pregnancies resulting from rape and incest. This is the most restrictive anti-abortion law in the country and one of the most extreme in the world. The ACLU did ask the Supreme Court for an emergency ruling to block the law, but the court didn't respond. What we are seeing is the ramifications of a Trump presidency, who he has appointed to Supreme Court, all those kind of things. We are seeing the ramifications that we are going to see for years because that buffoon was in office. What makes this law extra egregious and extraordinary is the power of enacting the ban isn't in the state's hand. It is in the citizens. According to the law, private citizens can sue a physician who performs an abortion after six weeks, as well as anyone who helps facilitate it. We're talking about drivers, counselors, any financial support, anybody who is involved with facilitating the abortion, the citizens can sue them for up to $10,000. We're talking about clinics. We're talking about the Uber driver. We're talking about anybody who helps facilitate this abortion happening. Citizens from anywhere, not just the state of Texas, citizens from anywhere, if you're in the coffee shop and you hear somebody talking about an abortion that they had, You can actually sue them and whoever is involved just because you're a citizen. So it's actually creating like a bounty. Like, oh, this bitch, you got an abortion? Let me take this bitch to court and get a cute little $10,000 real quick. So you see what they did there. Instead of making it a governmental implemented ban, they made it a citizen's implemented ban. Mm Mm-hmm. Use a dirty conniving bitch. Like your mother and your grandmother and your grandfathers. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. And if you ain't got $10,000 to give, the court can enforce the collection of the debt, which could include seizing your property, 
and any other assets that you have. So that gives citizens a financial incentive to track down almost any abortion and try to sue those people. Since it isn't the government suing the patient or those people, the law does not fall under the protection of Roe versus Wade. You see how slick these motherfuckers is? I'm trying to be slicker than well shit, as my mama would say. Roe versus Wade is a Supreme Court decision which forbids the state from imposing restrictions on abortion, at least until the fetus is viable and can survive outside of the uterus. So that's what Roe versus Wade is. This essentially guts Roe versus Wade in Texas. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes the law is kind of confusing. How the hell are you going to make a law that undermines another law? And why are we not making those kind of laws to undermine other laws like around paying taxes or other fun shit that we want to do. <laughs> I know this shit is fucked up and it's really important for trans people, not only the birthing ones, because we know that some trans people give birth. But it's really important to the non-birthing trans people to really be behind our allies in this fight because what we do know is that if they start making rules and laws that affect the agencies of other birthing people's bodies then we know we know no 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 that they can start making laws to control the rest of us i can't birth a baby i know plenty of women i know plenty of trans people who actually can and so it's important to me, not to center myself, but for to let them know that I am in this fight with them because I know that all oppression is connected and this fight is important to me even if I don't have a horse in the race. You might not see the horse in the race now, but trust and believe you in the race, bitch. It's coming. We know many of our leaders have said it. Leaders of our past has let us know that all of our shit is connected. If they get you, they'll come after me. Next. They just got your ass first. This is how it works. This is how it's going to continue to work. So, Texas is on their bullshit. And I just wanted to let y'all know that all of our oppression is connected, y'all, once again. And this is Trans 101. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and i know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because i put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch i am community is fuck <laughs> so thank you i really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? 
Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> Alrighty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. I think when we're when we're transitioning early on, it is we're bucking up against the limitations our assignment at birth has put on us that we didn't choose. And, you know, this is something that's relatable to, you know, specific to trans people, but relatable to all people in this conversation, um, specific to transness. Um, and so our, I always say this, I, I, I know when we're black, white supremacy kind of makes this, um, it's such a big, oh, huge thing. But what I, I try to explain to people is, the whole gender binary thing is older than the racial thing. <laughs> and so for me, the, the gender thing is the big ass grandfather, da, 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 da. White supremacy is like, you know, the big daddy that we, that we're right here with, but it, I feel like patriarchy and that whole gender thing doesn't always white supremacy kind of overshadows it in an inappropriate time. Sometimes they both, you know, are important to dismantle. But I, I think when we are bucking up against the gender binary, the rules and roles of what a male should do, what a female should do, and da 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 da, I think this is a old, much much older system that we are bucking against. And so when we are making the transition and we are really totally spitting in the face of those limitations that it says of what we can't do and what we can do. I think that um, early for me early on, I thought that this once I transitioned, how wherever I wherever that leads to me, it will lead me to not battling those kind of limitations. But what I've learned as I've gotten older is those limitations are constant. And I'm constantly working through those. Can you talk about um, your experience with um, dismantling those limitations when you were younger? And then what are some that you're still um, kind of navigating right now? So I'll be honest and say that as a young person, I bought into some of the foolery. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, it's interesting. I was looked at so kind. just had a conversation with someone um, the day before yesterday, right? Like about even the idea of medical transition and what does that mean? Um, and what are we actually affirming mm -hmm. in the way of the binary system, right? In the way of patriarchy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is, it's such a loaded conversation, but in my earlier years, yeah, I bought into a lot of like what it meant to be masculine, um, hyper-masculine, right? Like specifically growing up in a place like New York city, inner city, um, being a part of hip hop culture, all things toxic, you know? Um, and Really going through that in my teens, definitely, and probably into my early 20s, maybe like by the time I'm like 23, 24, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, something here doesn't feel right. These things feel very hypocritical, right? Because also I'm a person who is AFAB, right? Like I was assigned female at birth. And so the need to behave in these ways is about what? And oh. it's for who? Is it, is it honestly for me or am I putting on this performance for everybody right. else because do I really need it? So um, I think it's just, it really has been an ongoing sort of conversation that I have to have with myself and really figuring out like what, what speaks to me and what feels right to me. If there were no society, right? Like, do I really need to like have 
the biggest body in the room or like whatever the case may be, like whatever these things are that are so sensitive around my masculinity or so involved in my masculinity, do they really exist? Or is that also an illusion? You know, so I don't know. I just feel like those are things that I'm always kind of unpacking, checking in. Language is something that I'll be honest and say at this juncture of my life, like I just refuse. I'm so exhausted with language because I feel like language is also very limited, you know, limiting. I would much rather just experience life because it's so much more fun that way. And also, um, I feel like I'm able to really feel what those experiences are without having to be locked into language that doesn't allow me to tap in and feel everything else. You know, just the idea of like um, being, not necessarily being a trans man, but like thinking about what it means to just be a man. Right, or like to just be a guy. If I was, if I was someone who was very interested in, like, not necessarily identifying with transness, when I'm hearing that, you know, I'm often kind of like, oh, but what does that mean about one's transness? You know, this need to like sort of adopt being cis alone as if being trans is is not enough, right? right. Like the, the relationship that I have to my transness for me is not. It's not just about like I'm just trans. I'm so many things though. You know, and so many of the pieces of, of my life and my experiences have informed me, not just the language of trans or masculine or, you know what I mean? It's, it's all of the things. Right. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm more interested in being as full and taking up as much space in all of my identity than I am, you know, kind of being <laughs> fixed on one thing. That's what, to me, the, the beauty of what non-binary people and the work that they're doing right now in the world, for me, that is the beauty. I don't purport to be any kind of non-binary person but what what i'm seeing is that they are allowing even like kind of like i was old school minded or whatever what they call uh, trans folks <laughs> um that's really rooted in the binary and what they're allowing to me is allowing me um let me talk for myself but i feel like this is a this happening culturally um is allowing us to be more full instead of in because I know my transition early on, definitely not now, but early on was was still rooted in the binary. It's still I still was out of this box going to this box. Yeah. <laughs> it still was very that, and so uh, of course I dismantled some of that, particularly around my sexuality, what I can do, what I can't do, what in my in my pleasure. But now I feel like um, it's seeping over into presentation. I'm more comfortable with short hair. I'm more. Um, more, um, you know, just open to more and more things and be able to, to be my full self. And I, and I, that's why I really appreciate the work of non-binary people, because I think what they're doing is just the next level of freeing us all from what is these boxes in, in the binary. I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to no longer not have these conversations like i'm i'm gonna be looking forward to the day where it's just like this is a conversation we needed to talk about this right you know <laughs> so in your life now as in your career like with acting and you know all that you're doing in regards to the entertainment field how are you carving a space for yourself as an actor but avoiding being um kind of pigeonholed as a trans character like how are you thinking about your career in the sense of because that's what i kind of worry about for 
trans people who are in the community right now during this renaissance it's like what does it look like going forward when you know when it's not sensational to be trans any longer what's the work going to look like after that how are you carving a space out for yourself or thinking about it at least for me i'm far more intentional so i i'm i'd like to examine the stories right like i'm really interested in the script why this story who are these people? Why does it need to be told? And whether or not I actually have a connection and something resonates for me. So it's not necessarily just about it being trans. Um, in fact, the, the first television film role that I booked, which was Lauren Order SVU, is the only trans role that I've ever played in. Mm -hmm. I, everything else that I've booked after that has actually not been trans specific. Um, I'm open to like whatever, you know, if, if it comes, excuse me, hold on, let me time out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not open to whatever, but meaning that I will take the time out to examine what that opportunity is. And if it makes sense and if it fits, then yes, there are some things that I see that are trans specific roles. And I'm like, uh, I think I might want to pass on that. I don't know that that role is right for me. I don't know if it speaks to me the way that, you know what I mean? Like I'm interested in the, this character in this specific way. I don't know that that's right. What's the best fit. Mm. Um, so for me, it's really just about examining whether or not that work speaks to the kind of work that I want to continue to put out. It's all about the story. It's not necessarily just about whether or not the character's trans. Mm. We see, we've seen tons of trans stories, you know, and characters that have not been full, right? That we don't get to see them as, as just another human being that exists in this world, yet somehow we have entire shows that are centered around white folks sitting around drinking coffee, making mm. songs about smelly cats, right? Like, no, nothing personal to friends, right? Like, you know what I mean? But I would love to see that, you know what I mean, in terms of, like, trans folk and not everything having to be censored around, as you talked about earlier, our bodies. Yeah. If, you, if, if money wasn't an issue at all and you just had, you could create a project that a character that you could play, is there, can you, can you, have you thought about if there was any like trans masculine character that you would want to tell his story that you have thought about? Who? You just gave me chills asking me that question. I'm so enamored because people never ask me that question. And I don't even think that people have thought about us enough to know. Um, like who we even have to ask that question. So, oh my God, that was such a good question. There are two people whose stories that I would be very interested in, um, in any creative capacity, not that I necessarily need to play them. Um, but Reno Prestige from Ballroom. Jesus Christ. Like his story is so interesting to me. Though I know a lot of people don't, don't necessarily know who he is, so that's fine. Um, or actually, Reese. Sorry, not Reno Prestige. Reese. Reese Tuscany, I would say, or Reese Pendavis. The second person, though. Wait, 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 wait. I want to. Um, you, you're going to put down Reese. Wait, wait, wait. I want y'all to go to uh, reno.right.752. Because who we are talking about um, that y'all should know, Reno is on Instagram and y'all can follow him. 
<laughs> he is. He's on Instagram. He's on YouTube. He wrote a book. Yeah, right? he like, wrote a book. Yeah, it. y'all need to check him out. Y'all need to get into y'all black <laughs> history um, and y'all black folks. <laughs> quite, quite honestly, actually, yes, I would be very invested in Reno's story. I would also be invested in Reese Tuscany Pendavis's story, yeah. and then the other person who I don't, I don't think that people have probably talked about enough or don't really acknowledge his story. Um, he was murdered in 2013 in Minneapolis, as a matter of fact, and that was Young LT, um, who was a rapper based out of Minneapolis. It was a classic case of overkill. And at the time, his cis male friends did not know that he was trans. Someone then shared this information and this is how the whole thing played out. But I mean, he had, you know, an entire like full life. He lived in this community. He had tons of friends. I mean, was a very celebrated rap artist in his community. I'm just so enamored by his story. That's a story I would love to tell. Facts. Monica Roberts talked about this case, particularly on Trans Griot. So make sure y'all check it out on Monica's blog. That is one of her legacies, even though she has passed away. One of her legacies is that she was diligent about sharing um, our story. So make sure you check that out. I think that would be an amazing, you know, I'm just tired of all these damn remakes and these fucking... um, you know, just revamping thing. I'm like, it's so many stories that haven't been told, particularly like that one, that would be so amazing for, um, you know, for um, having trans characters that are, you know, full and, um, you know, document our history. I think that that would be perfect. What about a cisgender guy that you would like to play? <laughs> a cisgender guy um i know it's, it's terrible to to say or like to admit but i would want to play like a bad boy i, I would want to play you know somebody toxic and terrible <laughs> I, I, I really I, those are my favorite villains yeah. and toxic villains, are my yeah. favorite in movies and shows yeah <laughs> I, I would love to because it, i mean my my general personality is so outside of that like i'm definitely not a bad guy at all but i would love to play the role do you ever feel like a pressure of um representing it's impossible for us to represent all trans people and i think that that is a privilege of um particularly white cisgender people who um have the privilege of individualism do you how does that pressure, because I, I was going to ask you, do you ever feel it? I know you do. But how does that, <laughs> how does that pressure of representation and you feel like, oh, my God, um, I have to be, I'm, I'm, I know, I, I know people are not, you know, are, are going to think that I am the voice of this community when I'm only one voice. How do how does that affect choices that you make in your career? How does that make um, how does how does that does that? How, so first, how does that affect choices that you make in your career? But how does that also affect how you interact with people on an interpersonal level? Ooh, um, how does that affect the choices that I make in the 
the way that I deal with people on an interpersonal level. Like an interpersonal, because I get I get career-wise, I can see as an actor in the entertainment field, I can see how the pressure can be different in the choices you make in your career. But also that that translate in our how we navigate the world too. So yeah, I want to see how that that how you deal with it in both arenas. I think that there's spillage in both. Um earlier on I, I definitely felt and noticed the pressure that that much more. Um, you know, as with anything that's like new to you, you're kind of trying to figure out your footing, like what does that look like? I've removed all the pressure um by acknowledging that I am just one person and it's not possible for me to speak to everyone's experiences. Um, I recognize that the most that I can ever offer is my own authentic version of representation and what black trans masculine um black trans masculinity looks like, a reflection of that. Um, but I can never speak for everyone it's just not possible so i don't i try my best not to like put those things on me i um i'm also you know i I just don't like playing by the rules in that way i've just never been that person i i totally echo your sentiments too i feel like it's impossible for black people for people of color for women for disabled communities i think it's impossible for us to get caught up on respectability politics like that's not for us Right, because then it the doesn't idea, save us. <laughs> it doesn't save us, and the and the idea is really about acceptance and being accepted by whiteness by literally trying to constantly, you know, be in alignment with that or like be in proximity to, to that. So, yeah, for me, I just I don't. I kind of just do my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if people get it, great. If they don't, also great. But I, I also believe that there should be more opportunities for other trans mass folks to come in to like have access to space. Um, I know it doesn't make a lot of sense to other folks, especially people who are in entertainment, right? Like the ways in which sometimes I use my social media, but I use it as a platform to then uplift and amplify other folks. Like I don't, I don't have to just celebrate and give myself flowers. Like, you know what I mean? On top of that, there are there are tons of folk in community that people don't know that inspire me every day. Every day. Every day. Queen Jean. <laughs> oh God, a black trans liberation is like Jesus Christ, you know? So I, 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 anyway, I say all that to say that for me personally, I just kind of refuse whatever that pressure is and just kind of do my own thing. I feel like as long as I understand my intention and I'm, whatever I'm doing is rooted in intention, you know, that's all that matters to me. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I, I try to under, I try to explain to people that we have to be really, really intentional in our own community on how we show up for each other, because, you know, there is a problem with silence around um, trans men's accomplishments. I know because of patriarchy or whatever that, you know, and how we objectify women that trans women are going to kind of be um, in the spotlight to me um, because of how we objectify women, even if they're cisgendered, how, you know, how that works. Yeah. Um, but I think because we're trying to create a different kind of world in, in a different kind of space, we really have to be really intentional in our own space, not to, um, mimic that kind of erasure or that kind of silence not necessarily erasure because i don't think any trans folks are intentionally trying to race mm, i want to say that i don't know people are crazy but um, <laughs> but um um we have to be really intentional so that erasure is not happening and i remember um 
on the documentary you was on disclosure watching it and really really missing that they didn't include um dr courtney ziegler's film um still black i was very very but because i'm friends with courtney and you know i i was introduced to him through the film years ago like you know shit two, i think it was 2010 when i first watched that but I, because yeah. i'm a black trans and it, did, woman, it debuted in 2008 so i'm impressed that you at least saw it two years after but you actually watched it yeah. the other thing is that a lot of people don't know our work they don't know our work they don't know who we are um, you know, and it's, it's a difficult, it, it, oh my God, the system just in general, I kind of feel like, yes, we could talk about like white supremacy and like, you know, institutionalized racism and all those things all day to be in entertainment. I mean, it's on steroids. It's literally on steroids. You know what I mean? So yeah, I echo your sentiments though. Yeah. It, it, if I was very, very, um, I don't want to say hurt, but it, it was, it did make me feel like, um, because it was, a, it was two things happening. I had, this is the kind of content that I had dreamed about where we are, in, you know, examining film and trans and representation, da, 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 da. I had dreamed about this type of documentary happening and here it is. But then at the same time, y'all are erasing um, this really, really important film by this um, trans man. And then at, right before that, um, I saw something that I, I called it out when it happened. But um, uh, Yans Ford, when Yans Ford, when Strong Island came out and it was literally nominated for an Oscar, I was like, why didn't, why am I, why am I hearing about this night of Oscar? Night of Oscars. Why am I hearing about this? And I was like, if this was a trans woman's documentary, we would have heard about this weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Now, I know that the documentary had nothing to, to do with transness, but it doesn't really matter. matter. It's, it's the a, fact that this a is trans a trans man. director. Right. <laughs> right. If this was a trans woman director, regardless if she made a, a, a show about heels or a show about dolphins, just the fact that she was nominated for an Oscar, we would have heard about it when the nominations happened. So I don't know if I was, you know, that where is, I that was. That is an interesting that is that's a really interesting assessment right because like films like you know the matrix series are totally included in what we discovered what we acknowledge now as being like a part of trans conversation while the wachowski sisters were not necessarily wachowski sisters right like in terms of the way the rest of the world was identifying them and yet we we can wow. that to be, be trans cinema you know th this is very interesting <laughs> this conversation is very interesting but i appreciate you i i really do i appreciate the honesty and i also I think it does take being honest and calling these things out. Like when we see it, you know, having really uncomfortable, difficult conversations, just ongoing the way we're having them right now. And yeah. also like holding ourselves accountable, even as trans creatives, right? Cause trans people make mistakes too. Right. So a little birdie told me that you were interested in astrology. <laughs> okay so i want you to teach me some things because i um i've looked up some stuff and i didn't know it was a whole other astrology chart so i'm going to start with the topical because that's why i know <laughs> okay. okay okay that's why i know so 
your sun sign is your Aries. Your rising is your Aries. You have a rising Aries and you have a moon in Gemini. Yes. Okay. So I have a sun sign in Pisces. I have a rising sign in Virgo and my moon sign is in Capricorn. Now, I, your moon sign seems to be in my research, your moon sign seems to be more like your inner emotional, like your emotional inner self. And your sun sign seems to be like how you perform that inner self, I guess. Is that correct? That pretty much is. That definitely is correct. So how does your Gemini moon, ref how to describe your emotionality with your Gemini moon? Because, <laughs> honey, I done heard some bad stuff about Gemini. <laughs> I was going to say, so it's probably, yeah, it's exactly what the whole twin situation is. I could be in, like, two minds about it. I think um, having... Having a moon sign in Gemini, which is, first of all, it's an air sign. Um, yeah, like that is very logical. And, I, and my love, the way that I communicate my love is actually like this. It's really interesting to me that my moon is in Gemini um, because I'm not, I'm not the most um, emotional person, or at least I don't really display it. Which is also interesting, too, that, that when I do, it's, it's through the roof. Very Gemini, very just out of control, just crazy, you know, just not to be an ableist or anything like that, like using that kind of language, but just recognizing that like it can be very tricky in terms of like how I communicate my emotions. Not that I won't. I clearly do. I'm very good at doing it, but I think that I'm often read as like someone who's cold. The side note, I, I hate the idea when this is this, these, these limitations and these rules and boxes. I hate the idea that is like perpetuated that men are not emotional all the fucking men i know are fucking emotional they may not be fucking crying it might be don't have to involve no tears but them motherfuckers be violent angry um stubborn and uh, you know moody just as, it may not involve the oh, oh it may not involve that but they yes. emotional as hell <laughs> i i would say that all those things are definitely true i get angry I mean, it, it could be Tuesday. Why is it Tuesday? You know, whatever the day is. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I would describe my emotional self as like that. Very analytical. Very like a Gemini. Okay, what about your son? What is, how does the Aries reflect you? Oh. Because um, is Aries an air sign or a fire sign? It's a fire sign. Okay. It's a fire sign. I'm always hot. So that, that's like one thing about me being a fire sign. Like, that's why I'm sitting here with the towel and something like this. <laughs> um, but you just left the gym. I don't know. Like, I, and I also just left the gym. I don't know. I think that, you know, I'm somebody that like when I walk into a room, people kind of notice that energy, like fiery sort of energy when I walk into a space. Um, I think that's true. And also, that, like, I have wait, 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 wait. Light. That is true. You don't remember, but I remember the first time I met you. We were at this place in Atlanta called, um, was it the Wild, not Wild Rose, or My Sister's Room? Was it MSR? It might, I don't my know. I, let me not mess up people. I think it's My Sister's Room. Is that in Atlanta? It is. Okay, then that's it. That's it. Because why do I know that? 
<laughs> I don't. I never lived in Atlanta. <laughs> that has to be it. It is. So we were at my sister's room, and I was. Um, what people don't know is I'm. We're not romantically together, but I am married to Neil Sanja. Yes. <laughs> yes. So oh, me and Neo met back in 2014, 15. I was hosting something and he was just starting his um trans man bodybuilder for the first time. There's one that's happening in New York, but prior to that one happening, there was, you know, Neo created one. Yeah. And the first it was the year, first. Fit yeah, was, it was the, the first, first. Um, bodybuilding competition. And he hired me to host it. And I was the host for the whole thing for each year after that. And so we were at the, it was, we were at my sister's room and you I remember and, now. And you, and you were walking around and I was like, um, and of course I didn't know you were trans or not. <laughs> I didn't know anything like that. And I was like, who, who was that? And you had came up and we had took pictures and I was like, Oh, that's um I, I didn't know i didn't know your name i said that's the guy from aggressive <laughs> i went all the way back to that documentary and i was like oh okay and i put and we first and as you walked through the room i remember you were super super personable and fiery and just kind of you know like you you walk in the room you know you in the room <laughs> i remember <laughs> that is true i do i remember that though i remember that day so as a Capricorn moon, I'm really, really um, analytical and I like to the book. I'm really to the to the book and I'm a homebody emotionally. I don't really I'm not really all over the place emotional. I'm just I'm just kind of uh, it's emotional, but it's just kind of cool. <laughs> my Pisces, my Pisces sun sign is more dreamy of course it's more um i can separate myself from reality i really can that's why i can ignore a lot of bullshit that's happening in the world i think that is a, <laughs> that is a uh because i live in this like rose cup it's not that i'm i can just separate myself from the bullshit of the world by thinking about you know positive shit that i got going on in my life what i don't totally understand is the rising sign so tell me what is your definition of the rising sign what is what is how is that sign important in your right in, in your astrology i feel like for me my rising is like my true self right i feel like Sun is kind of like the way people are actually examining me versus how I'm actually examining myself or like the way that I'm honestly wanting to show up. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I think it's more about my true self, which innately, in fact, really is Aries. Like I'm very fiery that way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also a fool. When you think about, like, I don't know if you study tarot. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's different cards. Some of the major arcanas, or not some of all of the major arcana, are associated to a specific sign or a specific house. Um, as an example, the Fool card, which is zero, is Aries, because Aries is the start, but also Aries is foolish. Um, Aries is the baby of the zodiac. Um, Crybaby, even sometimes, <laughs> also spoiled, needs attention, like all of those things. I think that those things are very true. Sounds like <laughs> that sounds like an actor. <laughs> Oh no, I think I think it's totally true. My rising is Virgo and I don't I only have two um 
I know I probably met tons of Virgos in my life, but the two most important Virgos that I know are my first like infatuation little puppy love. And I hated his ass in 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 <laughs> in, in, in high school and a fucking Beyonce. Those are my only like the shade is when you said two, I thought you was gonna say Michael Jackson and then Beyonce. Oh, Michael <laughs> Jackson Virgo too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. Those, I yeah, okay, we can count Michael three. The and right. they just seem like distant workaholics <laughs> but <laughs> but if i look at my life that's kind of how i am <laughs> you know what uh, the, the truth gonna set you free miss diamond it is definitely gonna set you free oh no <laughs> that's kind of what i see so right I, I, love, I love that your moon though is in capricorn which is very grounded mm-hmm. it's actually really grounded i love yeah that. I think, and I think that's what um, balances that Pisces out because it, it does ground me where, you know, there's this little string connected to reality, but I can be dreamy just to kind of self-care and not let this shit get to me, but I'm still grounded in a sense of, okay, I, I, there is a certain level of reality to my emotion that's, that my friends say is real stoic and sometimes cold. Those, my friends would be like, we know Diamond cares because when it's time for her to come and do what she needs to do, she comes. She's like, boom. OK, what you need me to do? I don't I don't I'm not the one that's going to sit down and be like, oh, it's OK. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, yo, so what, what we need to do? Like, what, what do you need me to do to help you in this situation? Like, what's happening? Let's look at the solution. <laughs> I'm that kind of person. And so. um, I think that's my Capricorn coming out because I don't, I don't get, I'm not, I'm not, I don't coddle people at all. I, I feel uncomfortable and weird when I'm in that situation. I'm trying to think, yeah, all the, the Capricorns I know are very grounded that way. They're not, yeah, they don't really, do that. but they're good at giving gifts. Their love language is gifts and they're all the, the Capricorns that I know anyway, they're great gift givers. I'm a great gift giver. But I think, I think my love language is acts, acts of service. I think the way I show love is acts of service, I think. Um, because that's the way I like to get shown love too. That's what means is more meaningful. Mm. So let's go to the is it Vedic? Is that how you pronounce it? Vedic. So Vedic, Vedic. astrology. Yes. All right. So let's look at yours and look at mine. So in the Vedic, you are actually a Pisces sun and a Pisces rising. And you st- the, the emotionality stays the same. You a Gemini moon. Still a Gemini moon. I was, trying, I was really trying to get away from the Gemini moon. Like, I'm not even mad about the other place, but that Gemini moon is just not... Just there. <laughs> so much work to do. Now, the thing about the Vedic that's kind of unique is that they don't put emphasis on what I'm learning. The rising sign is more important. So for you, your sign is Pisces. Your sun and your rising is Pisces. So it don't really matter for you particularly. Um, how does that... So that's very different. Pisces is very different to Aries. How does that work out for you? It kind of is, but it's interesting in terms of that whole dreamer thing. I've, uh-huh. I'm someone who has wielded my dreams into reality my whole life. Like I've lived in a bubble that way. And that is such a Pisces thing. Yeah. Um, so that is that is actually true. I kind of feel really connected to that. Um, the other thing that I noticed 
Um, which is interesting too, because Pisces is the twelfth house, and so the twelfth house is like all things hidden, hidden, right? Like there's a certain unknown. level of privacy um, about Pisces, which I, I I realize is also very true about me. I think people feel like they know me very well on the surface, but they don't really know anything about me at all. They're like, wait, no, I didn't know that. Like I don't know anything, you know. So that was kind of like, oh, that kind of makes sense. I think that too. That's why when I when we talked about it, um, when we were setting up the interview, I was like, I don't know. None of this Vedic stuff reminds me of myself because that what you just described about Pisces, that is what I there's many people who have known me for years and they will tell you, like I know when I pass away, they're gonna be saying how they knew this and da 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 da. And I know for a fact you don't know me at all. But we are but we're close. We're close because of time and you know a lot about my story but how i think about it how i've processed it and shit that i want they probably don't know (laughs) yes it's because i don't talk about everything and it's not oh no oh i want to hold everything to myself it's just that i'm just not accustomed to like talking about everything until i till it's a dream that i have that i have manifested (laughs) yes i'm the exact same way i won't do that thing so my sign, my sun sign is, and none of these match me at all, but my sun sign in Vedic is going to be um, Aquarius. My rising is Leo. Mm. And my moon is Sagittarius. <laughs> hmm. I can't tell you anything about <laughs> how that reflects it because I almost every Sagittarius I have come in contact with are super fucking selfish. My mom was a was a Sagittarius. I just I lost my mom in um <laughs> 2020 in December of 2020. And oh, I love her and it gets to that, but she was super, super selfish in regards to um like how she navigated the world. Um Leo's, they're so extra. I don't feel extra at all. What? <laughs> I don't feel what you extra talking at about? <laughs> you you don't feel extra? No. This thing, everything about you is extra. <laughs> like, come on, Diamond. You, you're taking me out now. Not in the way I I see Leo's. Not in the way I see Leo. Like I have a best friend that's a Leo in the topical one. And like I don't, hmm. I'm my natural place isn't to be center stage. It feels like the shit that I have to do, I have to be there. But because this is a part of my dream to create this, but that's not my natural place that I feel comfortable. So there could be, there could be some other Leo qualities or traits you might have. Maybe. Like Leos are extremely creative, which is okay. true. Leos are actually very creative. Yeah. So that could be something that, that could come out. Okay. To. I can fuck with and that. The, sag, the Sag thing, I, I often experience Sag's as being um, funny, very mm. sarcastic, very playful, um, even in love, like just not really being very good at like direct conversation, like kind of turning whatever that serious thing is into a joke. I, I right. experience Sag's like that, so I don't know. If that's just that. Uh, funny Sag's. Uh, yes, I have a comedian Sag that I know. But he's very <laughs> selfish. 
He's very selfish. <laughs> but he is a comedian. He's funny as hell, so he keeps me laughing. Yeah, so I guess that goes with it. I'm trying to think of any other Sagittarius that I know. Um, my mom, him. And, oh, then my little brother. He's the only transphobe in my family. And so we, oh. we, we just start talking because he's selfish as hell. <laughs> you know what? So, How yeah, many siblings I, do you have? Um, two. I have a younger, two younger brothers. Young well, if I my father has a brother that I haven't seen in ever. <laughs> I've seen him, but when he was little, like he was like six and I was like 10. But I don't know where he's at. And my dad is a fuck boy. So he doesn't my, my brother doesn't talk to him and I don't talk to him. And it's just crazy. So you don't have a relationship with your family. My, my father's um my um my brothers, yes, on my mother's side, we do have a relationship. I raised my youngest one. Um, but he, but now my mom has passed. I've talked more with my um, middle one, the one that I haven't talked to in 10 years. We've t- we're talking more and we work through our problems. So we in, we're in a good space right now. We're talking and texting and sending videos and chatting. So we good. Well, this is progress. That's this good. progress. <laughs> So, I don't know, but he's the other Sagittarius that I'm like, mm, I don't feel like anything. I don't feel like emotionally Sagittarius. I don't know. I don't know. I just can't see it. That's why I'm going to stick with Tropical. <laughs> I don't blame you. I love that. So, in the future, what, is, what do you see idealistically for the trans community what are you looking forward to us having like as a community thing what do you what do you what are some goals that you will want for us as a community yeah i want black trans liberation Mm. Uh, what does that look like black trans liberation looks like not just not hearing about violence in the news and, and not being attacked um, and not being attacked by government systems when you're just trying to access healthcare, right? Because I, I oftentimes when I associate, or when I've heard people think about Black trans liberation, like it involves those things that are very violent, that are very traumatic and all, and all those things. But I do feel like it's about joy. I do think it's about celebration. Um, I think it's about tradition. I think it's about legacy. Like Black trans liberation looks like knowing that we exist. We've always existed and, and, and we invest in what that is. We invest in our past. We invest in our present. We invest in our future. We occupy and take up space in every, every sector you can think of. That to me is what liberation, Black trans liberation is really going to look like. Um, I don't know. What do you want your legacy to be? Just be kind to somebody else. I said, just be kind to somebody else because you don't, you don't know what another person needs. You know, more often than not, we walk around this earth only thinking about our desires, what we need, what we want, what we don't want, what our boundaries are. Very seldomly do we think about somebody else's boundaries, what they need, what they're going through. Just be kind to somebody else. Mm. That's, that's the legacy I hope to leave. In my brain why I do what I do in the way that I do. I don't want anybody who's coming up dealing with transness in the way that I did. I don't want them to have to 
search for me the way that I had to search for trans people and trans stories and trans experience. I want to be well documented. I want not just me, but trans people that I know that I think are powerful, that I think are um, have amazing stories and amazing spirits and brilliant minds. Those are the people um, who I want to make sure that that there is a a, a collective or an archive of them being out here for us to find so that we are not thinking about um so they are not they don't have to think about what we were thinking or what we did or you know it being erased i want to make sure that my, what what my what i want my legacy to be is that i have created an archive for the youth or the future to be able to see what we were going through in while i was on earth <laughs> because I keep hearing stories popping up from 1800s and early 1900s and, you know, and we got to wonder or fill in the gaps. I really don't want us to have to do that when they look at back at this era of time. And so that's what I want my legacy to be. And, and so, that's what it is because you're doing it. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. And I want to thank you for joining me and sharing your perspective and sharing your personality. And can you tell the people where they can find you at? Right now, nowhere. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just fine. <laughs> I'm on a sabbatical. But no, I'm on Instagram. It's my first and last name, Marquise Fosson. Um, on Instagram, you can find me, Marquise Fosson Balenciaga, if you type all that in. But my first and last name, Twitter, Instagram, that's, that's all I got. And I'm going to put the links to those things in the bottom. Can you tell the folks like what's coming next for you? Like, is there anything mm -hmm. on the horizon for them to wet that they can look forward to? Whatever God got planned. Praise, praise him. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Marquise. Um, thank you for taking that time and being real flexible today. Um, make sure y'all go check him out down in the links in the bottom and tell us what you think. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. And I will see y'all next week. All right. All right. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Oh. <laughs> Every little thing's gonna be alright. Oh, don't you worry about a thing. Little, 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 little,